I am under the weighty presence of the Lord. I feel a deep conviction in my spirit. I feel the intense witness of the presence of God in my spirit right now. I see a tidal wave of repentance that God is sending to this house and the pride in all of us is holding it back. And that starts with me. I want to firstly honor the Lord because how many of you know that in October of last year, we went through the reset. How many of you were here through the reset? How many of you left the church during the reset? Oh, they're all, they're all gone. If you don't know what the reset is, we felt that the Lord was leading us to suspend public meetings here at our Father's house and to commission everybody to go seek the Lord for yourselves. At that time, our Father's house was swelling. It was much more full than it is now numerically. And there were a lot of people that were coming in and many of us didn't know who they were or where they came from or honestly what they wanted. How many of you know that growth isn't always a good thing? Have you ever had weeds in your garden? And the Lord led us, spoke to us, confirmed it multiple times that we were supposed to take three weeks off. So we prepared everybody through the month of September and then into October of last year. We did not meet here on October 9th, 16th, and 23rd and we essentially took the month off. And truth be known, we leveled the church finances, cut them in half. How many of you know God will lead you to do things that don't make sense? But this body got a lot healthier. There was a purity that came to us. How many of you were here during the Awake Indiana meetings in the month of February of this year? I know that for quite a few of you, that's how you started coming to our Father's house. That's how you heard about what the Lord was doing here And I believe with all my heart that what we experienced in February was an appetizer. That what we experienced during that week in particular, if you were here, you know it. There was repentance that broke out on a Sunday morning. I'll I'll fill you in, those of you that weren't here with us. But never in my almost 10 years of full-time public ministry have I ever seen people, adults, fight for a microphone so that they could publicly repent of their sins before God and the church. Now I've seen people clamor for a microphone to share a word or to take the stage or to have a moment to say something, but not to publicly repent of sin. And not to publicly and directly repent to people in the room that they were bitter against and had unforgiveness in their heart with. Were you here for that? I promise you it marked you. And I remember that we had those meetings and we came back the following Sunday and then the presence and the weight of the Lord our God was in this very room 
There were people, there were mothers with babies that were here until one and two in the morning. You can't make people do that. You can't manipulate, you can't fabricate, you can't advertise and get people to do that. It was as if just for a moment that God was our only priority. That the presence of the Lord was all that we really wanted and we realized that I actually don't have anything better to do with my life. And God came and He sat down here among us. And we had those special meetings and Lance Johnson was here with us and some of the pastors and leaders from Kentucky who were grateful to be connected to. And then on that Wednesday night, Lance preached the Tuesday night meeting. These were all spontaneous, not pre-planned meetings. He preached Tuesday night and then on Wednesday night, I felt that the Lord wanted me to share my story and give God glory. If you've not heard it, you can go on our podcast. It's called Redigging the Wells. Because God sent me to redig the wells of my father Abraham that the Philistines filled in. And if you know my story, you know that the church plant here is deeply personal and that this really is our way by the presence of God of sticking our finger in the devil's eye. Now we leave revenge to the Lord, but do you know that God allows you to participate in your own redemption? And that He wants you to eat of the fruit of sowing to the Spirit that you would reap back from Him 30, 60, even a hundredfold? If you've fallen, if you've failed, if you've been through difficulties in your life, I promise you that God wants to take you back into those areas of pain and trauma and turmoil, and He wants to make you a blessing in them. You did not go through what you went through for nothing. You went through what you went through or you're going through what you're going through because God has a purpose and a divine plan and He's going to use it to bring Himself glory and to minister to the people around you. How many of you know people need hope in this hour? Depression and anxiety and fear and animosity is spreading like wildfire, but so is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's only through the darkness of the backdrop can the light of Christ be brilliantly seen. And I believe that these are brilliant days in the church. And these are very special days for this Baby church, our Father's house, that I believe with all my heart that God Himself hath foreordained and birthed, and the hand of the Lord is building this house. And then we had the meeting on Thursday, and my brother Jeremiah flew in again all spontaneously, but there was things that happened that week that were so incredible, that were so weighty. We flew our dad, Joe, who we call Pops, who's in the back there, whom as now he and Melissa have been relocated from North Carolina to be here because the Lord put it on my heart and Jeremiah was in agreement that he would be able to see and eat of the fruit of his labor in this region. All those years ago through the 90s, in the early 2000s, that God is a God who restores. Amen? Amen. 
And so we had the incredible meetings Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I believe it was February 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, if you check your calendars. And then that Saturday night, we said, listen, we're going to take Friday to rest. We're going to seek the Lord. We encourage you to fast and pray and go after God with all your heart. And then Saturday night came. And I can't rightly articulate to you the feeling that I had on Saturday night. But the only way I know how to describe it is that it felt like my child died. I felt like I had lost something so special the way that you would nurture and cherish your own child that God gave you. I felt as if the baby had died. And I got down on my face in the front row of this church and I got before the Lord and I said, Oh God, what have I done? Please show me how I've grieved you, how I've quenched you, how we've missed you. How could we go from Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to seeking the Lord on Friday to Saturday? It's dead as a doornail. I'm sorry, it might as well have been a Baptist church. And I love Baptists, by the way. I told you, I believe there's a tidal wave of repentance that God is sending to this house, but it's the pride in us that is holding it back. If you were here, those meetings were downright ugly. I'm not talking about people going, oh, the presence of God. I'm talking about grown men and women weeping and travailing and getting broken open by the glory of God. People being healed. People being delivered. People being set free. And you know one of my conclusions after that week and sitting before the Lord for all these months is this. Many people will show up for it, but they won't labor for it. The amount of people that came through these doors to witness what God was doing, that wanted to play in someone else's river, that wanted to enjoy the fruit of what someone else had prayed and fasted for, it's a phenomenon in the charismatic church. We'll hop from conference to conference and move to move and we just want to be in the presence of God and I love it and I enjoy that and we do some of that too, but I don't want to hear about how God is moving somewhere else. I want God to move in my life, in my marriage, in my family, and in our church. And I'm willing and I'm desperate to do whatever it is that I need to do. That's decent and in order to say, God, I have to have your presence. I refuse to do church and go through the motions. How many of you know that attending a church and checking a box isn't working and doesn't actually help you? This is what the spirit of religion does. It conditions you to go through the motions and check a box. And we'll have the big guy up front with the special stuff on who tells you when to stand and when to kneel. And nobody's hearts are impacted. And it's all a ritual and it's all a game. And just because the name of Jesus' name doesn't mean He's there. 
But I fear that because we believe in the Holy Ghost and we've seen some things and we've heard some things and we've had a measure of God's presence, we think we're not religious. Just because you speak in tongues and prophesy doesn't mean you're not religious. There's always deeper layers. There's always greater revelations of our own heart before the Lord. But I'm convinced that one of the reasons why we avoid the place of prayer is because it's a mirror and we look in the mirror and we don't like what we see. So we know that prayer is here at 9.15 every Sunday morning, but we'll show up at 10.15 so that we can avoid being in the presence of God for ourselves. No, we've just come to receive something. I've told you this. Prayer is impossible to market. You know why? Because the only thing you're selling is God Himself. We'll come for a teaching. We'll come for a feeling. We'll come for the goosebumps. But pray and seek the Lord. I'm bored. What if that's the very thing that stands in the way of a greater measure of the presence of God? I believe that the Lord is looking down from heaven and He is searching for bodies that He can fill, that He can activate, that He can engage with. Don't you want to see signs and wonders and miracles and power? Oh, but the cost of what it takes... To cultivate that. To prepare your own life in your own heart. So that we could have a a foundation here that would be able to sustain what God is pouring out. I was grieved because what we had built, we could have a visitation, but we couldn't have a habitation. God visited us for three days. I'll never forget it. I'll tell my children about it, but I'm not living on yesterday's bread. I don't want to tell my kids about the one time the Lord was really moving in my church in February of 2023. I believe God came to give us a new wineskin by His Spirit. It would be something that could host Him. God, what does it take for us to host You? How do I deal with the lack of desperation in my own heart? And brothers, I have to say this to you. And if you get mad at me, it is what it is. But some of you, I watch your wives pray by themselves and I want to weep. She's looking for you to lead her. If I've got to be a fool and cry in front of you and these people and tell you, lead your family, wake up! You are going to eat the bad fruit in your children in their rebellion because of your passivity. They need dad to pray. They need dad to lead. They need dad to open the word of God and say, I love Jesus with all my heart. So I'm grateful for the reset. I truly am. There's no ingratitude in my heart. But it would be like having the best appetizer in your life and being promised that there's an incredible entree. But before it could be served, you got kicked out. Sometimes I wonder, 
if we have so much control of our own lives, if we have so much control over our church, that God literally has to break into His own house like a thief. We don't welcome Him. We don't recognize Him. We don't want Him. So He's got to find a way to totally blitz and get inside. I don't want to be a part of a church that plans for if God shows up. I want to be a part of a church that's knelt before the Lord every single day that knows that He is with us. That He's leading us in a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. But I fear that we've lost our desperation. And those of you with unhealed church hurt and wounds, you're already ready to tell me about the love of God. This is the love of God. Did Jesus not say, those whom I love, I reprove? Does Hebrews 12 teach us that the evidence of us being sons and daughters to God is that He disciplines us? It says that He scourges every son that He receives. If you want an uncomfortable Bible study, look up what the word scourging means. It's the same word that's used for Jesus on the cross. He got whipped. And God has to cut us so that He can heal us. But people want the healing and the feeling without the dealing from the Lord. I need help. Do you need help? Father, we humble ourselves before you right now. Lord, we submit our hearts to you. We submit our lives to you. God, we choose this day whom we will serve and we want to serve you. We don't want to have other gods before you. Lord, forgive us for our idolatry, which is spiritual adultery, Lord. Forgive us for loving other lovers and liking it and thinking nothing's wrong with it, Lord. Wash us clean, O oh God. Would You send Your rain? Would You pour it out beyond measure just like You promised, Lord, that Your sons and Your daughters would prophesy, that Your old men would dream dreams, that young men would see visions, that You would pour it out on male and female, Lord. That You would ordain praise in the mouth of Your babies. That You would glorify Your holy name. God, we fear You. Lord, we want to learn what it means to revere Your holy name. God, forgive us for flippant worship. Forgive us for talking during prayer. Forgive us for our desire to tell someone else about our day rather than to seek your face. Forgive us, Father, for coming home and vomiting on our spouse when you're supposed to be our strong tower. When you're supposed to be our place of refuge. Forgive us, Lord, for leaning on man when all you've ever wanted to be 
was our father and our bridegroom. God, would you mark us with love sickness right now? Would you awaken the groan and the hunger and the yearning to know you and to walk with you? Father, I pray that you would break off the scales of dead religious tradition that have sanitized your gospel, that have made preachers impotent, Lord. Would you release a wave of awakening and revival, not just here, but all across the face of the world? Would you awaken every sleeper? Would you send peace to Jerusalem right now? For we know that Israel is the apple of your eye. We stand with Israel. We bless your plan, Lord. Forgive us for thinking we're smarter than you. Forgive us for the arrogance of thinking we know you when we've only scratched the surface. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I asked you to turn to Proverbs 1. I want to share this with you. I'm going to read verse 23 of Proverbs chapter 1. Tell me you're okay right now. Are you all right? This verse has dropped on me like an anvil. I had a dream about this verse, if you weren't here, when I shared two weeks ago. Turn to my reproof. Would you say reproof? Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. What if all that's needed for God to pour out His Spirit is for us to turn to His reproof? The word reproof means correction. It means chastisement. It means instruction. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that the Word of God is inspired. The written Word of God is inspired. It's theopneustos, breathed out of the nostrils of God. It says all Scripture is inspired and profitable. And it says it's profitable for four things, one of which is reproof. The Word of God profits us in our lives because it corrects us. The Word of God profits our lives because it trains us in the way of righteousness. The Word of God is a benefit to us because if it were not for the light of the Word of God, we would be in darkness. 
We would have no idea where to go. No idea what to think. We would be hopeless, directionless, aimless, purposeless. We would essentially be homeless if it were not for the Word of God, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. But how can we say that we tremble at the Word of God if we don't even read it? You wouldn't find anybody that would probably say, yeah, I don't actually read my Bible that much. But if we're going after honesty and sincerity before the Lord, then we need to confess that maybe we have a flippant relationship with God because we are absent in His Word. And this is where everybody with church hurt says, oh, you're beating me up and telling me to read my Bible. And if it's from me, it'll last about a week or two. You'll come to prayer for a week or two, but if it's from the Lord, it'll grip you. It'll mark you. It'll become a part of your lifestyle. See, God, as a good father, here's what He does. He comes and He strips us of all of our excuses. The farther I go in God, you know what I'm running out of? Excuses. I used to have excuses for my excuses. And God told me, I don't forgive excuses, Paul. I forgive sin. I was the funny guy. And I'm still funny, by the way. God puts me up to this stuff. I'm surprised I have friends. I feel like I should thank those of you that are my friends. I was the funny guy. Make God laugh. God would come and deal with me. God would come and speak to me. God would come and visit me. The Lord would come and minister to me. I had an angel that was so large in my room at 16 years old. The terror of its presence is still in my heart. But I learned how to crack jokes. You know why? Because I learned how to deal with my pain in my life through humor. I learned how to laugh my way out of the difficult situations because it was a survival instinct. But God doesn't want us to survive. He wants us to thrive in Him. So I'm running out of excuses not to do the will of God. I'm running out of excuses not to turn to His reproof. We turn from the reproof of the Lord In all kinds of ways, we turn our back when the Lord begins to speak, when God begins to stir. You know one of the ways that we spurn the reproof of God? We reject the messenger so that we don't have to hear the message. Listen, I'm not perfect. You've probably already picked me apart this morning. Praise the Lord. But you wrestle with the Word of God. You wrestle with what the Scripture says because this is perfect. This is infallible. This is inerrant and inspired and breathed out of the mouth of God. This is Holy Spirit written. Say amen. Amen. But we spurn the reproof because we don't like the messenger that it comes through. Do you know that they stoned the prophets in the Old Testament? Not because they didn't like them as men, but because they didn't like their message. How do we get rid of your message? We kill the messenger. 
Remember, you preach love, you preach mercy, you preach grace. People feel all tingly. But here's the problem. We want to be warmed instead of warned. Just warm me a little more. Just butter me up a little more. Just hold me one more minute, mama. And darkness is exploding in this nation. And Christians that apparently sit under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God can't figure out whether they're supposed to say anything or not. And I'm mystified. And we think we're supposed to hide in a bomb shelter and get as many cases of water as we can and just wait it out until Jesus comes back. Not! What if enduring till the end that you would be saved looks like being out and about and rubbing shoulders with people and having those awkward moments and conversations? You know what's worse than awkwardness? People perishing in hell forever. It's time for the weight of eternity to return to the church of Jesus Christ. The apostles of old, they were filled with the zeal of the Lord and they preached the fear of God. Can you imagine Peter? After Ananias, Ananias dies because he lies about his offering to God in Acts chapter 5. Sapphira comes in and it says she didn't even know what happened. And he says, behold, the feet of those who carried out your husband are at the door. Boom, she falls dead. And it says, great fear spread over the church. I fear that we've made fear cute. I hear people preach the fear of the Lord and it's like, God's not scary. God's not, I'm like, God is God. Like everything that you can see and taste and touch and feel and think is all encompassed in Him. There ought to be reverence. I'm not saying we live in terror that God's going to obliterate us, but really our problem in America is that we like to pet our sins. There's way more people living in gross sin and compromise and calling themselves believers than there are people that are afraid of God in an unhealthy way. Hello, just look around. Just talk to people. Just engage with people on social media. Just look at the endless posts right here in our county of people that are like, hey, I'm looking for a church that will affirm my sinful lifestyle. And the comments start flooding with all kinds of people trying to invite, hey, come to our church. It's compromised. You're compromised. Praise the Lord. So are we. We can have fellowship together. Because darkness has everything in common with darkness. Come on in, the water's warm. Turn to my reproof, says the Lord. Says the Word of God. I want to give you a gold nugget right here. From Job 20, verse 3. 
Job has a friend named Zophar. As in like the message is going good so far. Now I'm going to blow my shofar. Thank you. Job 20 verse 3. Zophar says these words. I listened to the reproof which insults me. And the spirit of my understanding makes me answer. Just catch that. Grab a hold of that. I listened to the reproof that insults me. You may feel insulted right now. But can you listen to the reproof of the Lord and the word of God, not me? I'm telling you, God has been jumping down my throat about stuff in my life. And never not once am I like, oh, God doesn't love me. He's just a mean father. No, this is the love of God. He's disciplined me. He's correcting me. He's helping me. What kind of dad would I be if my David or Daniel, if they wanted to put their hand on a burning stove and I said, ha, 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 can't wait to see what happens. But I think that's the kind of father some of us want. God, just let me do whatever I want. And then when I mess stuff up, then it's all your fault. And God left me and God abandoned me. And then we can blame all of our bad decisions on God who's infinitely good, who warned us and corrected us and tried to help us along the way. And we blew through all the warning signs and then we don't like our life. And then our marriage isn't as great as we had hoped. And then our children are more rebellious than they are obedient. Because we're spurning the reproof of God. Because there's something in the heart of every person that's deeply wicked that despises being corrected. We love to correct people. Interestingly enough, you know one of the very key tactics that investigators use when they're tracking down a crime, they make false statements in an interrogation so that people will correct them and give them information. Because it's mind games and they know, ooh, people love to correct people. So they'll make a statement that's half true. And then the person that they're investigating will speak up and clarify. And they're like, oh. Why? Because the pride in us loves to be right. Loves to feel powerful. Needs to be seen and heard. And God's saying, turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my Spirit on you. I want to be here for the beholding and God pouring out His Spirit. But we can't do that if we're spurning the reproof of God in our lives. See, the great purity that came to us through the reset was that we released people And we said, hey, take this time to seek the Lord and figure out whether God actually wants you here. Because if the Lord has called you to this church, then you'll labor and serve and give in such a way that comes out of your heart. We don't have to deal with all the obligation stuff. We don't have to beg you to give. We don't have to try to manipulate you into serving in a classroom or helping us with something. Why? Because you're a part of the family. You're in the body. You're saying, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm going to lay down my life that Jesus might be glorified. 
But we read the book of Acts and we're like, wow, that looks amazing. Look at everybody sharing and hugging and loving and isn't it wonderful? But it takes Acts sacrifice to get Acts results. And their devotion was to what? The apostles' teaching, which we have. It's the Word of God. They were continuously devoted to the Word of God, to prayer, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, which is the Lord's Supper, eating and drinking of the body and blood of Jesus, remembering that Christ gave His life for us, that we're living on borrowed time. We're breathing borrowed air. We're going to give an account to God for what we did with our lives. Jesus actually said, every careless word that you speak, you'll give an account for. It makes me want to watch my mouth. And it says where words increase, transgressions increase. People that are chatty and that love to talk, they get themselves into trouble. How many of you know preachers like to talk? I'm talking to myself. Shut up, Paul. Pray. Less talking, more praying. Less whining, more seeking. Less eating, more fasting. Nobody bring donuts to men's breakfast anymore. I listen to the reproof, which insults me. Can you be insulted and hear the truth in it? Here's the pride in us though, ready? You didn't correct me correctly. I I was with uh, uh, somebody recently, we were in Georgia last week, and there was somebody that asked me about my age and how is God doing all this stuff in your life? And you've got a this, that, and the other. He was complimenting me. And I just said, listen, I'm a product of being fathered. You need to know that. My life isn't some mystery or some miracle. I'm not special. My life is the result of being fathered and mothered by godly men and women that called out the stupidity in my life and still do. If you are not actually accountable in your life to people, I promise you're growing at best at a snail's pace. If you never do anything that you don't want to do, you're probably not following Jesus, you're following yourself. I mean, the reproof of God comes to us and the Lord says, this is what I want you to do. And we say, I don't want to do that. And the Lord says, well, are you mine or are you yours? Did you know if you're in this room, brothers, would you raise your hand if you're a man in here? If God made you a man. Look at all these hands right here. I want to bring back something. Keep your hand up with me. It's a charge. I want to bring back something. God made you and I men because we were made to do hard things. You and I were made to do hard things. It's why He made you a man. Biblical masculinity is your strength, your gifts, your talents used to benefit other people, especially your wife and your children. But it's like, oh, I'm a victim of being a man. Nowadays, people 
want to be a man so much that they'll just identify as one even if God didn't make them that way. Or men are running from the call of masculinity so they switch teams and they say, I'm actually a woman. Talk about confusion. Talk about the demonic. Talk about people in a swirl from the pit of hell. Do you know how many transgender people are committing suicide? Because they're miserable and they're tormented. They don't need our hatred. They need our love. They need to be set free into the truth. No, I'm not using your pronouns and cooperating with your confusion and deception, James. Come on! But we turn from the reproof of the Lord because we're like, oh, well, we know better. Political correctness is a demonic agenda to neuter the church of Jesus Christ. There are so many things that pastors who are really puppets and pulpits won't preach because it sounds political. No, it's biblical. It's spiritual. Just say it and let the chips fall where they may. But when you're preaching for crowds, you have to keep people happy. Rather than our goal of ministry, and we're training and we're raising people up here all the time, make God happy. Serve the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. See, but the spirit of religion will make you feel like you need man's permission to do the will of God. Some of y'all didn't catch that. If God's really commanding you, you better not spurn the reproof of the Lord. Even if your mommy, your daddy, your uncle, your own kids don't like it, follow Jesus. Because you're not going to stand before the Lord and give an account and have a bunch of excuses or be able to blame. You're going to say, this is what I did with my life. And the Lord's going to be looking at the how and the why. Way more than the what. Proverbs 3. How are we doing? Are we okay? Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How do I trust in the Lord with all my heart? Just keep reading. Do not lean on your own understanding. A lot of times trusting the Lord looks like not trusting yourself. Did you know the essence of salvation is I quit, I give up, I can't save myself, I can't help myself. All my pursuits of money, of drugs, of women, of drinking, they've actually left me more empty. I don't trust in myself anymore. I lean not on my own understanding. One of the great conflicts that I've had with God in my life, if I can be so honest, is that my plan and His plan don't line up. The rest of you are just walking streets of gold. I do the will of God with gladness every day, brother. Can't believe we let this rebel preach. We just wake up and smile at dying to ourselves, really. Did Jesus say, if anyone wishes to follow me, must deny himself and take up his cross? You know what we've done, though? We've traded self-denial for self-absorption. 
It's all about me. When really, if you live for yourself, you will be miserable. It doesn't work. Please let me stop you on your journey of finding what makes you happy and give your life to Jesus and serve Him. And you will find everything that your heart desires. You will become so different. You will become so foreign to your friends and your family. Why? Because you had an encounter with God who made you, who knows you, who loves you, and who wants you to know Him. You say, oh, I didn't know it. I didn't have language for it. But that's what I was searching for. That's what I was longing for. That's why I went back and did the same thing around and around over and over because I just kept missing God. But I once was blind. But now I can see. Now I understand. Has anybody experienced that? Come on, raise your hand and say amen. Amen. Or I'll go back to doing CPR. Do not lean on your own understanding. What if what God has for you is different than what you want for you? What if what God has for you is so much better than what you could ever imagine, but the bridge to getting to the better is trust in the Lord. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I don't have to know everything. We're like, Lord, show me everything that's going to happen and then I'll trust you. It's funny, but that's what we do. Show me the future and then I'll walk with you. And Jesus told me in a dream once, Paul, I am your future. One of the most severe dealings of reproof that I've ever had in my life was moving here to Indiana. Nobody take this personally because it doesn't have anything to do with you. I say this and people are like, oh, it's just not, it's not the point. It was we're living in Florida and I'm golfing in January. And we're in full-time ministry and there's a whole host of pain and agony right here in Avon, Indiana. And the Lord says, if you'll move back to Indiana, I'll restore your inheritance to you. And the rebel in me is like, I'm good. <laughs> like whatever's left over that's not a part of the inheritance, I'll just take that. How stupid can you be, Paul? Because really, I don't trust you, Lord. I don't think that the inheritance that you have for me is actually for blessing and good. I'll just go with what I can see and what I understand and what I know, which is Florida sunshine. By the way, I was born here. You can listen to the message. It's a mess. But God began to deal with me. God began to crush me. Have you ever wept over the rebellion in your own heart? Like two weeks ago, man, God just, just grabbed me. I felt like my heart exploded. Like, I want to deal with the rebellion inside of you that will not listen to me. Yeah, I'm a preacher. We're a church planner. It doesn't matter. God's looking at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. You only know what you can see, but here's my loving Father saying, Paul, you have this root inside of you that needs torn up and out. How many of you are glad we moved here? 
Half of you. Hallelujah. If I was in John 3.16 about the love of the world, everybody would have had their hand raised. Told you, we want to be warmed. We don't want to be warned. That's why we're immature. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Verse 7. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Were you just commanded by the Word of God to fear God? Well, why have we made this complicated? Why have we sanitized it and made it cute? God, Jesus' eyes are a flame of fire. Have you ever looked into someone's eyes that were on fire? It says in Revelation 19 that a sharp sword proceeds out of his mouth. And we're not talking about the circus. It's not a sword going in. It's a sword coming out. And it says with it, He will strike down the nations and administer the wrath of Almighty God. This is our Jesus. That's just as much Jesus as the Good Shepherd who leaves the 99 to get the one. We just like the shepherd better. Because we think he doesn't have a rod and a staff. We think He has a pillow and a blanket and He's come to coddle us. But what if God delivering us looks like Him redirecting us? Looks like Him correcting us? Looks like Him saying, hey, you've gotten off course in your soul. You've gotten off course as a church. I want to be number one. Jesus is jealous for His bride. Many times in the Scriptures when it mentions the jealousy of God, what comes next is that He's an all-consuming fire. That He burns with jealousy. He's not jealous of us. He's jealous for us. The same way you would be jealous for your own child to succeed and prosper in life, so is God our Father trying to send reproof to our souls that we would make Him everything. But between us and God being everything is all of our excuses. Is all of the reasons why we cannot. Are you running out of excuses? Four of us. The rest of us have been thinking of excuses while I'm sharing. We are plagued by idolatry. I said in my prayer, idolatry is spiritual adultery. It's when we have a love affair with something that's not God. It's when something grabs a hold of our affection, our attention, our devotion, and it's not Jesus. We were made for Him, but we're erecting idols and we're following what we can see, what we can feel, when God wants us to serve and submit and follow Him. Fear the Lord and turn away. From evil. How do I fear the Lord? I turn away from evil. But the compromise in us says, well, I've never murdered anybody. I've never raped or pillaged or really robbed anybody for a big amount. I did take gum out of her purse without her knowing. But I'm a good person. I'm not evil. Hamas is evil. And if you don't think Hamas is evil, this ain't the church for you. 
If you can't figure out that slaughtering children is evil, you need help. You need spiritual brain surgery. That's for the unborn too. We live in a nation that values its own convenience more than the lives of babies. The amount of women that are traumatized because of their abortions that they were seduced into getting that live with lifelong regrets and get no help because if we acknowledge that it was wrong, we'd have to help you. So we just look the other way. That's evil. There's forgiveness if you've done that. God is merciful. He's gracious. He wants to wash you of the pain and the hurt and the trauma. Amen. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. Verse 8. It will be healing to your bones. Healing to your body. Refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth. The Word of God doesn't say that we're supposed to give our money. It just says we're supposed to give fruit and figs. and Honor the Lord from your wealth. Not wheat. Wealth. So your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, listen to God talk to us. My son, my daughter, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe His reproof. For whom the Lord loves, He reproves. Even as a father, the son in whom He delights. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding for its profit is better than silver and its gain than fine gold, more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. So while the world is seeking for more gold and more silver and more fine and shiny things and nicer cars to drive, we are seeking the wisdom of God. We are turning to the reproof of the Lord. We are hiding the Word of God in our hearts that we might not sin against the Lord. You say, well, I don't know if I'm sinning. Well, then you need to get educated and instructed in the Word of God. Find out what God likes and find out what He dislikes. Do the things He likes. Don't do the things He dislikes. That's simple obedience. But in a weak culture, obedience is somehow legalism. All obedience isn't legalism. It's worship unto God. How do we worship God? Not with our lips. This is worth very little. But a lifestyle that's laid down and submitted to God. That's a fragrant aroma before the Lord. Every time you say no to evil, you say yes to God. And He will reward you. I've heard crazy stories of Christian businessmen turning down crooked deals. And all of a sudden, millions show up. They could have had the devils hundreds of thousands. But because they turned 
And they said no. And they were at a loss. And people didn't understand why they couldn't partner with what was crooked. All of a sudden, God poured out blessing. And said, now I know I can trust you. Now I know that all the money that I've got stored up isn't going to break you and you're not going to serve it. You're going to serve me with it. Because money is a powerful tool. You know why we want to make a lot of money? So that we can be a blessing. So that when there's a need and it's not a thousand, it's ten thousand. We've got some to give. But we've neutered people and made them feel bad for their money, for their wealth. Oh, you're, you're doing something wrong. I'm here to tell you there are a lot of good God-fearing people that have wealth and they feel bad about it. Stop it. What if that's the blessing of the Lord and you being ashamed of how much money is in your bank account is really you being ashamed of God? It's Him putting a ring and a robe on you and you saying, well, I'm going to argue with you. I'm going to spurn your reproof and I'm going to wear stuff with holes in it. I used to do that, by the way. Why? Because there was something broken inside of me. There was something ashamed on my life that thought this is what I deserve and it's not very much. But how many of you know being blessed, being humbled by the blessing of God is far greater than being humbled through humiliation. I've had both. I've been humbled through total humiliation and loss. But being humbled through the blessing, through the opportunity, through the privilege of God is so much sweeter. But I was humiliated so that I could steward the blessing well. Some of us want to be blessed without being broken. And because we don't want to be broken, we just want to be blessed. God knows that if He blessed us, it would shatter us. Y'all still here? How are we doing? I'm going to wash you in the Word of God as you stand up today. And I want to read to you a few scriptures. I felt that the Lord said to me very clearly that there were husbands in this room that are spurning the reproof of God by silencing your wife. Ladies, that's the part where you say amen. Amen. Three of us, tough crowd today. What do we got to do, entertain you, make you smile? Or you couldn't even say amen because you're that far gone. Your voice is that far suppressed. We don't intimidate our wives. I said we don't intimidate our wives. You don't raise your voice at her. We don't yell at our kids. We don't make our home a tornado when we walk through the door. We bring the peace and the presence of God. If you don't like it, You don't like the reproof of the Lord. Just close your eyes with me. Proverbs 3.11 My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe His reproof. And you say, how I have hated instruction and my heart spurned reproof. Proverbs 6, 23, 
For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is light, and reproofs for discipline are the way of life. Proverbs 10, 17. He is on the path of life who heeds instruction, but he who ignores reproof goes astray. Proverbs 12, 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Proverbs 13, 18. Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline, but he who regards reproof will be honored. Proverbs 15, 5. A fool rejects his father's discipline, but he who regards reproof is sensible. 15.10 Grievous punishment is for him who forsakes the way. He who hates reproof will die. He whose ear listens to the life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. He who neglects discipline despises himself, but he who listens to reproof acquires understanding. Proverbs 29, verse 1. A man who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. 29.15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. We have the Lord's Supper here this morning. If you are under the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now, if God is working and dealing in your heart like He is in mine, if I'm the only one up here repenting, that's okay. I've preached to myself before. But I want to invite you forward into these altars right now. And there's communion. If you want to receive the body and blood of Jesus, we'll make that available to you when you're ready. When your heart is right. But please come forward now and let's seek the Lord. And if you need to go, go home. God bless you. We love you. And we hope to see you again soon. Let the Lord deal with your heart this morning. Please come now.
you just to press in with me just for a few more moments if you need to talk or fellowship you can do that in the lobby or the parking lot I just have a sense that there's a great deliverance that's going to take place right here in this moment I don't care if it's for one person but I believe that there's a driving out of evil and the presence of evil if you're here and you're engaged in this service I want you to come forward into the altar Jesus saves the best wine for last. Read John 2. Those that already walked out, they missed it. It's okay. Come on, let's contend. Just a few more moments. Who knows what God could do? Who knows what Jesus could do with surrendered and laid down lives right here? promise you can talk later you don't want to miss it if you're engaged in this meeting I want you to come forward into the altars there's plenty of space we're going to pray and we're going to intercede if you need to go God bless you just begin to pray with me right now just begin to lift up your voice to the Lord Raise your voice with me and begin to pray and seek the Lord our God. He's here. He's among us. He's waiting on us to engage. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you stir up every dormant part in us? Would you awaken every sleeping place in us? Lord, we want to burn for you. We want to long for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I thank you that you're pouring out your Spirit. And it's not an event, it's a lifestyle. We say yes to the lifestyle. We say yes to cultivating your presence and your power in our lives. We say yes to repentance. Yes to submission. Yes to surrender. We say yes to you, Jesus. You have my yes. Take me. Use my life. Use my gifts. Take my family. Take my money. Take my marriage. God, it's all yours. We hold nothing back from you this day. We hide nothing from you this day. We thank you that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
God, would you send a cleansing rain right now? We bind the enemy in the name of Jesus. We take authority over darkness, sickness, all manner of ailment, and we say go in Jesus' name. Let the healing oil of heaven flow in this house. Let minds be washed. Let bodies be healed. Let souls be saved. Let marriages be restored. Let children be touched by the power of God. Would you raise up a living church in Avon, Indiana? Would you rock Hendricks County with the power and the presence of God? Restore the roar to your church. Restore the roar. delivering us from needing our family to understand right now God is touching the place in you that wants your family to understand they're not going to understand unless God opens their eyes so you just be faithful God we release our family to you right now my Lord I feel like some of us have some unhealthy ties like we're codependent like if they don't follow Jesus I can't really follow Jesus with my whole heart leave that behind today says the Lord and step into the more of God it is the reason why you've lacked fire but if you will put this on the altar I will cast a fire upon your life that will be so great that even your family will come to know me But it's not by you begging and it's not by you pleading. It's by you burning, says the Lord. It's not a lack of fire. It's a lack of sacrifice. Start a wildfire, Lord. Send your fire. Release the fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Burn up the chaff. Burn up indifference. Burn up complacency. Take our apathy, God. Give us urgency. Take our boredom and give us diligence in Jesus' name. for movement in the Holy Spirit. We break off the lie that you're stuck and that you're not going anywhere. That you've stagnated. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Just put the next step forward. some of us are afraid that our kids aren't really going to know Jesus you're carrying this fear of being a parent before you actually are one the enemy's trying to suck the fun out of being pregnant through fear we command him to go right now in Jesus name we rebuke you Satan
We thank you that children are a heritage from the Lord. That they're a blessing from God. Lord, we're doubling down today on serving, on giving, on sacrificing, on leading, on speaking up, on being a witness. We refuse to be intimidated by the enemy one more minute. Every intimidating voice go in Jesus' name. God, I thank You that You're going to bless business owners in this house. God, I thank You that money is being released from heaven. Money is being released by the faith that You have stewarded Your business well. The Lord is looking. Yes, Ben's Garage. Yes, other business owners. God, I thank You for blessing in Jesus' name. If you own your own business or you got your own thing, would you come forward? Ben, you got to put the trash bags down. Come up here. Man, some of you are stricken by poverty and you need to repent to the Lord. You have small dreams and your small dreams are offensive to God who wants to bless you. Who am I talking to right now? Can you wave at me? This is our Kingdom Builders preview. Alright, let's grab hands right now. If you're a business owner, just grab somebody's hand. Just together as, as one company of faith. And if you don't have a hand to grab, you're not a business owner, pray for their business like you own it. Bless their business like you're going to profit from it because I guarantee you, you are. Dad, can you come up here, Jeff? God, we repent for our small-mindedness and our small thinking. Lord, we repent for projecting our impoverished heart on You. And we thank You, Lord, that You've said those who bless You, You will bless. Those who honor You, You will honor. Lord, we're asking that You would release the finances in Jesus' name. That You would bring the customers. That You would bring the deals. That You would shower these people with favor from on high so that they can be a blessing. So that they can rock the gates of hell. So that they can shake up darkness. God, we pray right now in Jesus' name that they would be faithful stewards of the blessing of God. That they would sow generously so they can reap generously. Lord, we thank You that tithing is just the beginning. That it's the training wheels to teach us how to give by grace. Would You touch our hearts with grace right now? Some of you have, have seen the lack and you've said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shrink up on my giving. You're being tricked by the enemy. You don't have to give your money here. I don't care. We're not taking up another offering. Stay faithful to God. Stay in faith. When He speaks, don't waver when things are hard. Lord, would You encourage the hearts of the men and women who own their own thing or who are leaders 
in their workplace, God. We ask for the blessing of heaven to rest on them. God, we thank you for all the kingdom causes. We thank you, Lord, for all the buckets. I just see you guys like there are tons of buckets out in front of you. And the Lord's going to give you wisdom on what to sow into. He's going to show you what's good soil and what's not. Lord, would you bless them? Strengthen them. Lead their steps, Lord. I just see some of you like, it's like happening in dominoes where you're going to get deals and and things are going to pop off like two and three and four in a row. It's going to happen in a group and a cluster and then the Lord's going to test your heart and how you respond because there's a bigger cluster that's coming. Lord, let faith arise. Let faith mark this house. Faith for finances. Faith for the salvation of the lost. Faith for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Not somewhere else, but here in Avon, Indiana. God, we're hungry. We're thirsty. We're desperate. We don't want to go home. We just want to seek Your face. We just want to know You. Tomorrow's not promised. We want to be right before You, Lord. feel like the Holy Spirit is stirring something fresh in you right now? You feel like something that was stagnant or dormant is is really at work in your heart. You're, You're not just in an emotional place just feeling like crying, but God's really working. He's really grabbing a hold of you. Would you raise your hand? I feel it too. I need to share something with you. Because I believe in vulnerability and accountability from the very top. And I need your help and I need your prayers. But I believe that the Lord said to me before I got up to preach today, He said, if you do not lose the weight, you will be a hypocrite in my eyes. I need help with food. I need help with my choices. I didn't have dinners at home. I don't like vegetables. I got a lot of work to do, but I believe that God can help me. And if you don't, don't lay hands on me. At least give me sugar-free gum or something. But I I believe the Lord is leading me to fast. And I want to seek the Lord. So if it's just me tomorrow morning, that's fine. But I was asking the brothers here and Taylor and We feel like we're supposed to come here tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. to pray. We have prayer every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. And I know some of you come faithfully. 
and I'm grateful for that. But I'm going to be here tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. just to seek the face of God, to pray, to intercede, to press in. And I'm going to be going on a fast. And if that resonates with you, you're welcome to join me and keep me accountable and don't hand me any Twinkies or Ding Dongs or Ho-Hos. I actually like Skittles more than all those. But for real, I weighed that before God. I mean, I'm like, okay, Lord, I fear you. I don't want to be a hypocrite in your sight. Actually, the Lord told me about four years ago, and I've spurned his reproof. He said, you're still carrying the pain of losing your mother and your weight. And if you'll lose the pain, I'll heal you more deeply. And I want that healing. Anybody going to meet me here at 6 a.m.? Don't raise your hand and lie to me now. Okay, I won't be alone. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you're pouring out. Lord, we thank you for this new season of fasting and praying and seeking your face. God, we pray that we would hunger for you more than anything else. God, would you heal our appetites? Would you address our addictions? Would you help us, Lord? Just ask the Holy Spirit for help right now. Jesus told us He's the helper. We need help right now. God, help us. Help our families. Help this church, Lord. Wash us clean. Root and ground us in Your Word. Set a fire that cannot be contained. That cannot be put out. Lord, we're not asking that you would keep the wet blanket brethren away. We're asking you would bring them here and set them on fire. We're asking for pastors and leaders and ministers. We're asking for people that don't even believe in your gifts and your power and healing to get touched by you so that their faith isn't in men, but it rests on the power of God. Holy Spirit baptisms in Jesus' name. Would you wash us as we've repented, as we've turned from evil. We want to fear you, Lord. We ask for the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. God, we fear you. We revere You, Lord. We honor You. Have first place in our lives. Thank You, God. It's not a lack of fire. It's a lack of sacrifice. Show us what we can sacrifice, God. Show us what we can give. Show us how we can partner with what You're doing, Lord.
satisfied we want more do you want more sounds like we've got some work to do I'll see those of you that are hungry tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. we'll be here to seek the Lord if you can't make it you gotta work no condemnation no problem you can pray in the Holy Ghost on your way to work and join us love you. God bless you. This is what we're going for, even like when Lance is here in November. We're we're trying to host regional meetings to reach people that need Holy Spirit fire and presence. We want to put the torch on display. That's why we don't do it on a Sunday morning, because other people from other... I mean, I already know of at least two states and two different churches and pastors that are coming that are going to join us in November. I'm kind of tempted to walk out of here and call Lance Johnson and see if he can come here this week. Lord Lord knows he loves us and he would if he can. So stay tuned. Praise the Lord.